So this particular form subsides in our lives. It's atmosphere and participation, teacher teachings subsides as it must do. Mm. So we of course to consider what's ongoing and pointers that are ongoing and how to uh, sustain our, our lives fruitfully and how does this situation here how's what we've how does this contribute to that uh, since all the forms of it disappear mm. And should bear this question in mind as a useful question to itself to, to continue with because whatever form you return to or move to will also be of the same nature. It will also subside. It will do certain things for you uh, and it will also pass. Mm, like any other situation there'll be that which is agreeable, pleasing and that which is disagreeable. And there'll be times when you feel confused and times when you feel wonderful and anywhere in between the two. And so what is there to learn from this? <laughs> Partly to have that perspective that actually the forms themselves and uh, even one's responses to them are perhaps not crucial but a condition, a supportive condition for learning. They, they themselves will pass, even one's sense of enjoyment, disappointment, whatever that will pass. Uh, what remains is balance learning how to find balance, not being overwhelmed with the unpleasant or infatuated with the pleasant, not to totally absorb into the forms, nor to resist them, finding your place within forms, such as your domestic life form or your own house or your family or your relationships or your job just as I do with mine some of it I don't particularly enjoy um, some of it I find strange um, general monasteries no, but <laughs> people <you know, laughs> life itself you know it's the same story. Because <laughs> really we don't fit in anything. <laughs> because uh, there's nothing wrong with us, it's just that we, we, we're, we're bigger, more boundless, more mysterious than anything. And we need to respect that. Mm. Mm. 
So in a situation here, you know, we have these various forms. You're not actually asked to be totally convinced by Buddha, by the images, you know, by the chanting, by the teachings. Just yeah. But then you also have your own mind and opinions and feelings. Don't be convinced by those either. Your own emotional preferences, which can surge and come and go, wouldn't necessarily follow those. Uh, so where do we find that sense of, you know, our sense of dispassion around forms? And, uh, you know, and, and internal, external experience. Mm. Which is changeable. And then we're aware And some forms, like this one, definitely says, oh, you, don't really, you don't really have to totally believe in this. It's not. <laughs> but if it helps you to be more balanced, more aware, then it's done its job, it's done its purpose. If that reminder helps you to use these forms as ways of, you know, asking you to ask questions, asking you to to inquire and look in, asking you to, to not just follow immediate reflexes, not to follow habits, but to, mm, to find that balance, then you, you can find some of these forms you can take with you. Essentially, you can create similar, you know, sitting meditation, Buddhas, Buddha teachings, so forth. Mm. Let's call these external. Mm. So we all have an external mental domain, which is our culture. Uh, very broadly speaking, our culture which can have certain you know, psychologies and attitudes, ideologies, beliefs, um, what's polite, what's acceptable, what's not. There's, we're in that external form. Uh, yeah. And they're very internal forms, our own uh, desires, wishes, aspirations, these moving, changing experiences. So we will be in a culture, we are in a culture. Yeah. The, the language you use is not yours, it's been acquired and developed over thousands of years. It carries its, its forms, its, its nuances, its movements, its evocations, it's, that's a form. You can't not have a language. And you realize all language is not really it, but it's an external form. If you use it wisely and carefully, you can bounce around with that and, and then try to get really to what's affecting you and use the language to help you to look into your own experience. And some of it works, some of it doesn't work. But this is, this is practice, isn't it? Without an external f form, well, there is no such thing. 
You go from this one to another one to another one. Mm. Nowadays, many of us travel around. You might go to a completely different continent, Sri Lanka or somewhere. Okay, it's like this here. Mm. Yeah. Go to South Africa, like this here. Mm. And then you go home, it's like this here. And you, you're always a stranger. But that keeps you attentive. It's when you actually <laughs> think you're a resident, <laughs> it gets problematic. You actually are a nationality or a culture or a... That's a true thing. That's when it gets problematic and conflict arises with others and within yourself. Being asked to believe in things, follow things blindly. You know, this is going to be a problem. Imposing that on others is going to be a problem. Just feel the conflict and the discord. Where does it come from? Is it because other people are wrong? No, it's because the culture is like this. And if you cling to it dogmatically, there's going to be a problem. We can't not have one, but the clinging is the problem, isn't it? And that clinging, is it in the form or is it in one's relationship with it? That's, see, then you begin to say, ah, oh, there's the point. There's the point. Can I use something uh, that brings any clinging? Aversion, fascination brings that to light and helps me to release those tendencies from my heart. That will be liberating. Yeah. So, certainly for myself, uh, people sometimes ask me about, you know, my time, and I thought I might do this thing for about three months, and it's now been 47 years. <laughs> I suppose sooner or later I'd better make a commitment, but I'm <laughs> not entirely sold on it yet. <laughs> And it doesn't look like I ever will be <laughs> on all of it. Uh, mm. But then, uh, you know, recognise, well, that there isn't going to be one <laughs> on that level, but what helps to release the grasping you're prepared you know, to work with? You know, you say, well, it's the morality, yeah, okay. Uh, encouragement to inquire, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, some skills, some tools are presented you can use freely, don't have to, but there they are, that's good. Freedom, that's good. And then, you know, well, that's pretty pretty useful. And we use that. And realise, well, this heart, it's got some cranky bits, some, you know, distorted, have to acknowledge that. So you've got a kind of slightly cranky heart, slightly cranky conventions, you put them together, maybe they'll sort of shake each other around. <laughs> and uh, some letting go will occur.
occur, letting go of, of, you know, of clinging and grasping and self-obsession. Mm. So we say again, you know, the external mind is the is the culture or the religion or the external forms of practice that we can read about and see witnessed and so forth. Internal, those dispositions, inclinations, confusions, aspirations, contemplate those. And where's the clinging? Where's the sense of this is me and mine? Well, that's the real thing out there. That's the real ultimate thing out there. There's the problem. And the problem manifests because you begin to sense this causes discord and suffering. So the release from that. And then again, once you, you try to the release from that, the non-grasping, the non-clinging, where's that? You think, where does the mind go when it goes out? Where does the sound disappear to when the bell stops ringing? <laughs> See, so sometimes people say, well, well what is the truth? And you go, uh, can't be said. I mean, is there no truth? I wouldn't say that. There is a truth? I wouldn't exactly say that. Yeah. Mm. It's not something that you can grasp, essentially. But you can realize the ending of grasping and the mind open. Now, the opportunity that you, you all have and hope will continue to have in your lives is to find any, any forms that you can use that kindle and awaken and encourage that, that spirit and that tenacity of purpose tenacity of purpose. Faith needs the sense of energy and persistence. Tenacity of purpose. You will continue. Not because it's pleasant. Not because you necessarily find everything about it convenient or comfortable. Because (laughs) you want to release the grasping. This is because of that call for freedom. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. And so also ask yourself, where is your call? What are you called to? How does that manifest for you? Those are your internal teachings, aren't they? Those are your internal teaching points. Maybe it's, you know, the call is you know, about getting more embodied. For me, it is. Um, not for everybody. It's using these meditation or, you know, virtue and so forth. For me, this is, this is extremely significant. And integrity is extremely significant. It very, very uncomfortable and disorienting if one feels I've lost it. That's no choice, it's just what happens. If that feels lost, I feel very disturbed. So then some things just speak for themselves. 
without belief. The call speaks for itself. I must meet experience. I must meet it directly. I must meet it here. There's a way to meet it here. Mm. Whether it challenges me or is comfortable is arbitrary. I don't know. Mm. If it's difficult, it probably means it's going to bring forth greater resources. If it's difficult, it may bring forth resources I don't know yet. So I feel confused or frustrated. That's okay. It just means, you know, the resources haven't assembled yet, but stay with it. Keep inquiring to draw resources that you don't have. Mm. To arouse qualities that haven't arisen for you. So then we find that the difficult things actually not pleasant, but somehow okay, you know. Uh, something, a truth seeker, a truth seeker in us says, okay, I'm up for that. Because if it's difficult, it probably means I've got to get bigger and wider and something or the other's got to arise to, to make me the great chitta, to make it greater. And to have spent this life, one's time, in this particular form, being a human, in a, in a, on this world, to have taken the full opportunity of that, to use that, to follow that call, this seems unquestionable to me. We're not going to be eternally a human being. <laughs> Don't get fixated on it. <laughs> That's some eternal thing you've got to have and be. It's not going to be that way. And you look at, you know, you consider the human situation in general, broadly speaking, you recognize human being, the human being is actually definitely a flawed creature. It's definitely got, you look around what a destruction it's caused. Human species is not fantastically great. It's, it's just a form with its blessings and defects. And, so we don't want to just cling to it as the final ultimate thing as something whereby one can learn from where it goes wrong and where it causes discord and learn from where it causes harmony incline that way then we've learned the humanness we've learned what the human voyage can take us through uh, following the call So when you're coming to the closure of your time here, it's a precious occasion. Uh, I think the reminder is always just to, to not jump. I know there's a lot of, compared with our normal mode of movement in retreat, it, is, it suddenly goes into another gear. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate, but you might be able to slow that down a little. But if you're to move physically fast, and suddenly the world appears with a lot more fast-moving, interacting stuff going on. Do take those opportunities just to take those 10-second pause moments of, where's my body now? Where's my feet now? What's happening in my chest now? Where's the energy going now? Mm. Can it be 
met? Can I get my awareness and my mindfulness around that? Moving fast. Yeah. My ethical sense. Whether moving fast is my ethical sense steady. My mindfulness is that there. Yeah. Am I keeping attentive to personal responsibility? Yeah. Let me move fast. Recognize you don't get that same in-depth attention to phenomena, but at the same time you're staying on track with the main theme, mindfulness, uh, checking in, connectedness, making the connections, internal, external. Don't cling externally, don't cling internally. Mm. Mm. Taking those pauses, it's called heedfulness, being able to take the pause and just, what's happening? Such a simple thing. Uh, and such an essential thing. And the Buddha said, heedlessness, a life lived without heedfulness, is like being dead. Because in some ways you are. Like if you throw a dead fish into a river, it moves fast. It doesn't mean it's alive. <laughs> throw it into a washing machine, throw a dead fish into a washing machine, it moves very fast. <laughs> it's not alive. <laughs> so don't be a dead fish in a washing machine. <laughs> so, right. So sometimes that just means all you can do is just about hold your own against the current. <laughs> and that's good. That's, that's good. You can do that, just holding your own against the current, mindful, aware, internally, externally, not, you know, lessening the reactions, steadying, and keeping the integrity. So it does remain uh, pretty much... Uh, uh, requirement, yeah, mm. and a sense of the uh, the big picture of that, we call it the Dhamma, encapsulate that word in the Dhamma, the qualities of heedfulness, uh, mindfulness, internal, external, ethical integrity, we call that Dhamma, or the, the uh, awareness of that, the um, interest in that, the uh, connection to that they call that involvement Dhamma it's just in a book it's kind of half Dhamma <laughs> that's when you're involved with it it becomes the Dhamma as a refuge not just as a book an idea when you're living it that's called refuge and uh, so this is always an uh, important uh, and, and honouring reflection, because it means the Dhamma, however wonderfully the Buddha taught it, it isn't there until you engage with it. Just an idea. It's when you engage with it. So your potency connecting to that, that's what brings it alive. And the more that all of us can aspire to that and connect with that, then we do keep the true Dhamma 
available, refreshed, living uh, for the welfare of ourselves and for future generations, which is exactly the way the Buddha meant it and taught it and lived it. The Buddha, that awakened awareness, so that sense of that which is knowing the Dhamma, sensing that the cosmos, called the Lokavidu, you know, chanting one of the reflections is the Lokavidu, the one who is feelingly aware of the cosmos. See, the Vidu associated with Vedana. So it's a feeling knowing, sensing it. Doesn't mean just the pure blank scrutiny, it means this sensing, sensing the worlds, internal, external. Mm. So we bring that to mind as it says, it's an external uh, consideration, you know, the Buddha Gautama and whatever, and there's an internal reflection. Mm, something we can internalize, then it becomes refuge, otherwise it's just history. <laughs> so, the Buddha only awakens in you, the rest of it's history. Sangha, we take refuge in Sangha. The refuge Sangha is not the monastic Sangha, that's uh, form, cultural form, but it's the form of, it's called those of supatipano, which means so good, fortunate, blessed. Uh, uh, so it's uh, pati thoroughly, pano entered. So those who have fully entered the good way, the way of goodness, which is both fortunate, skillful, furthering. Mm. Mm. So you look at those epithets of Sangha. Ujjupatipano, mm. mm. directly. Those who have entered the process of directness, fully directly. Nyaya, those who have fully taken on, entered, accessed, practiced, Experience of nyaya, knowingness. Samichi, balanced. Integrity, balance. Appropriate. That which is fitting. Mm. So these, we can see, could be applied to other people, which is great. See, there are others. But it really comes alive when you practice it. Then you keep sangha going. Otherwise, again, it's just a round of applause <laughs> for other people. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> Until you do it yourself and engage with it, it that's when it really becomes a, a refuge. Uh, so this is the way we use these refuges and the precepts, refuges particularly, uh, and... Uh, in these teachings, when you look in these suttas, somebody listens to a Dhamma talk and they get a realization and they take refuge. Yeah. And taking refuge in the Buddha. Well, then he wanders off. Well, thanks. <laughs> Just taking refuge in you, now you've, you've wandered off in the forest. 
Where did that go? <laughs> what are they talking about then? What kind of refuge is that? Because he was always on the move. And it meant, you know, that that impression has triggered, catalyzed. And so now that's what I'm taking refuge in that. Yeah. Yeah. When we cultivate in that puja practice, when you attend in that way, and touching and obviously involving yourself, offering, attending in that way, participating in it, and the idea of that is to involve you in that refuge experience. Otherwise, it is just uh, an idea. It's not a belief. It's an entry which only occurs if you enter it. If you participate in it, then it begins to have its effects. And so that's what use of external forms is to generate something that you can participate freely in to uh, bring up these transformative awareness and attunement and connections. Now we look at the, consider the precepts. You know, most of us are used to law and order of various kinds. that which is established by the, the state or the government we live with. It's quite complex, criminal codes and so forth. We have laws and rules in our businesses, what's our duties, what's our obligations, what's safe, what's allowable, what's permissible. We have plenty of laws and rules, so on. Uh, and generally, they're marked with a certain degree of punishment. <laughs> it comes with them. If you don't do this, there's going to be some kind of getting fired or getting jailed or getting fined or something. It's marked by punishment. Okay. So there can be that sense of mm, perhaps uh, fearfulness or guilt. The precept is supposed to be, say, a vehicle to, not to right, but to good, to happy. So we look at the reflections. Silena Sukhating Yanti. It's a, Yanti is, is a, a vehicle. A vehicle towards a quality of well-being. So there's no, no punishment in that. And if you get off the vehicle, there's no punishment, but you don't get the happiness. You don't get the sense of, of your inner cosmos is not tuned in properly. Borga Sampada, Borga, as I said, is enjoyment, fulfillment, and the, here's Sampada, and the words inadequate really, for a fulfilling fulfillment, a sense of a, not just it's happy, but it's also nourishing. Some things are happy but not very nourishing. 
happy, nourishing, enriching. So this is a vehicle towards that. Because they ask you to look deeply and probe deeply and generate deeply transformative qualities of honesty, straightness, clarity, uh, purpose, warmth, empathy, tender-heartedness. They ask you to go deep and keep going deeper and you find these tremendous riches. Uh, It's not what we can get. So whereas law and order often is what you, you can get away with or can't get away with, this is about what qualities can it bring forth. And Silena Nibbuting, Nibbu is the cooling of the, of the fire of delusion or of hatred or of greed. You get more economous and spacious, less reactive, less fired up, so the mind isn't getting scorched. And you make an effort. So the, the sense is this is you undertake to I try. <laughs> I keep trying to undertake this for my you know, my wealth and the welfare of others. This is kind of the, the Buddhist approach and it's quite um, revelatory because certainly in our European culture in general come under the the senses, you know, certainly there's the shadow of damnation uh, God's kind of fading out but the shadow of it can still give you the sense of uh, guilt and punishment and right we still have a strong sense of right and wrong you know with this judgment in it and that isn't quite the case this is more like this is more comfortable and suitable and this one goes a bit sour and ugly It's much a felt sense rather than an abstract judgment. In some of these suttas, you, you you come across the rather poetic. You get a description of these various levels of gods and deities, and it's just not just one. As hundreds of them, they keep they get higher and higher and higher. It's echelons, stratas of gods. And they're sitting around there going, you know, this is the whatever gods talk about in their spare time. They're having a kind of a gathering. <laughs> And they say, what do you think about this Buddha? Say, oh, he's great. Yeah, this Buddha, he's great stuff. You know, he teaches this, he teaches some morality stuff. He makes us feel so good. <laughs> the gods are tuning in and getting, getting some good feeling out of it. They don't say he's right. It just makes us feel good. Because <laughs> they're, they're tuned in. If you're divinity, you've got a pretty fine energy system. <laughs> It's not made coarse and heavy by materiality, so it's pretty, that's what you are. You just are the energy system. So that's picking up those qualities. And, oh, yeah, look where that goes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and enjoying it. You know, that level, you know, energy system, you see, doesn't, doesn't do good and bad. In that same sense, your energy system doesn't have <laughs> right and wrong. <laughs> it just has. This brightens it, it, this congests it, this cramps it, and this causes it to flourish. So we might say the sense of fear and guilt is uncomfortable. So you don't want to encourage it. (laughs) 
don't encourage judgmentalness because that's a very uncomfortable experience. So these these precepts are not about judgment in that respect. They're about asking us to deepen. And, and, uh, this is a kind of thing we encourage people to take with you, either literally or in the heart. It will certainly not cause any harm if you carry it properly. If you get too obsessed with it, you get into abstract confusion over these things and uh, uh, is it all right to dig the garden because he might kill an earthworm is it all right to wash your hair in case there's some little microbe living in it you know you get this kind of ethical anguish yeah and so this is say, well, you know, you make an effort to sustain the quality of harmlessness, uh, recognizing that you can't take these things to an infinite abstract perfection. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the limitations of this material birth. <laughs> 